Welcome to the Wicked Good Momcast, a podcast for Boston moms by Boston moms, a space to hear stories from real moms, to celebrate the beauty of motherhood and to normalize its challenges. Motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You are a Wicked Good Mom. And now here are your Wicked Good Momcast hosts, Shannon and Megan. Welcome back, listeners. We have covered such a wide variety of topics in our Wicked Good Pregnancy series, and today's show is really special. One of our guests today actually reached out to us asking if we could shine a light on surrogacy, and of course, the answer was yes. We are thrilled to learn more about this family building option and hear from a surrogate and intended parent whose lives are forever changed by the gift of surrogacy. Hey, it's Shannon here. This episode briefly discusses infant loss, which we know can be triggering. Some of our listeners might want to skip ahead to around the eight-minute mark before tuning in to this episode. We have two very special guests on today's episode. Ashley Donahue is a two-time surrogate as well as a mom herself. Uh, She works through Circle Surrogacy, which is based in Boston. And Emma Swartz is one of the intended moms that Ashley has worked with. These ladies have an incredible story to tell, and we are so fortunate to have them as guests today. Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Yes. So, Ashley, you emailed Megan and I months ago with this idea to do a podcast episode around surrogacy. I love that you took the initiative to reach out because honestly, I don't know if this episode would have happened if you didn't. And I truly feel that this is an important conversation to have, and it's one that I want on the podcast. So thank you for reaching out. Oh, you're welcome. I actually reached out. um, I think I was like less than 24 hours postpartum. So (laughs) I had just delivered Emma's son um, and and was like, you know what? Let's start talking about this. I have chills, legitimately. I did not know that. Wow. She was having very deep conversations right after this. Yeah. A lot of feelings happen right after. As all of us, you know, who have delivered a child know, there's there's a lot of hormones that happen right afterward. Yeah. Well, can you talk to us a little bit about what led you to become a surrogate and about the two pregnancies that you've completed um, so far as far as surrogacy? I know that you were saying you've had four births total. I have had four births. So I um, had my two children first. Um, With surrogacy, it is recommended that your family is complete before you um, carry for another uh, another family, just because with pregnancy, you never know what could happen. Um, but for me, it was such an easy decision to become a surrogate. Um, I've always wanted to be a mom ever since I was a little girl. That was the answer to the question. What do you want to be when you grow up? For me, mm-hmm. it was always, I'm going to be a mom. Um, I used to want like a million children and then I had one and I said, choose sounds great. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, I had some family members that needed to utilize fertility treatments to, um, start their families. And so, after seeing what they had gone through, I wanted to be able to help somebody else mm. who couldn't have a child on their own. Um, the first couple I carried for was actually a same-sex couple. Um, they live in New Jersey. Um, and it was a super easy pregnancy, even easier than with my own children, which I was not expecting. Um, it was, you know, I never had any morning sickness. We wow. were just easy breezy, got pregnant on the first transfer. Um the only thing that was just kind of weird about it, it was the height of COVID. Um, anybody who oh, had a okay. COVID pregnancy can definitely speak to the fact that it was a very different experience. Right. Um, 
And, and now she is almost two years old, thriving, doing great. She is so beautiful, such personality. I love getting updates and seeing pictures. And um, I love her family. They're just so wonderful. Um, and then my pregnancy with Emma's son uh, was also very easy. Um, we, we had a couple of bumps in the road towards the end, but uh, it, it was such a beautiful experience. Um, and I will say I'm on the South Shore. The medical care I got at South Shore Hospital, amazing. My OB is Crown OBGYN. Everyone was very surrogacy friendly, which is not something that I hear from a lot of surrogates. They they have to be the ones educating their medical team. Mm-hmm. I didn't experience that. My doctors were very, very involved in the process and knew kind of all along what to expect. Um, and and for me, the the number one thing that I was like, I can't wait to experience this as a surrogate is getting to watch someone meet their child. Oh, yeah. um, any any parent, you know, knows the exact moment when they you know get to see their child's first breath and and mm-hmm. watch them come into the world. And selfishly, I was like, I want to be a part of that for somebody else. Um, and so now I've gotten to do it twice, and it has been such a beautiful experience. That's amazing. I mean, I really think. It takes an incredible person to be a surrogate. And so I'm oh, thank you. I'm thrilled to hear your story. And Emma, I was wondering, do you mind sharing a little bit about your story and kind of what led you to Ashley? Well, so I was pregnant as well in the height of COVID. So in June of 2020, I was 27 weeks pregnant. Um, and I went into cardiac arrest from undiagnosed preeclampsia and health syndrome. Essentially, at the time, I was 29, 30, considered low risk, and all of my visits were done um, over telehealth. Okay. And I would only go in to appointments for just ultrasounds. Never met my OB in person. Um, I would call with concerns. I would say, you know, Stay home, it's safer, et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, it happened very suddenly. I ended up, you know, telling my husband to call 911, and that's essentially the last thing I remember. I delivered my son, Bodie, um, when I was unconscious. And an amazing team of doctors are fighting to save my life which they did. Um, I never met my son because from there I was med flighted and spent um, over like 100 days on life support in a coma at Brigham and Women's in Boston. And then during that time, I had countless like life-saving surgeries, one including a hysterectomy. So once we got past all that, you know, I had a long road of recovery, probably a year after I had to like learn how to walk and like use my hands and mm-hmm. just, you know, learn to live with essentially the loss of my son, just like a whole new world. Um, but once I was strong enough from the day I can remember, I wanted to be a mother. I wanted a family. So the second I got all clear, I started going through rounds of IVF. Um, I was still able to do that. So it took, I've gone for three rounds 
it was two rounds um, before we got to Ashley. And then we got one embryo. So for me, surrogacy was the only route that I could take to have a child that's biologically mine. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's other routes like adoption, foster. But for myself and my husband, we really we wanted to go the surrogacy route. And once I had that one embryo, I was pretty dead set on you know finding a surrogate. So I was working with Circle as well, and we were down the totem pole a little bit to be matched. And for some reason, I happened to follow them on Instagram, and I saw them post something about like Ashley that she had posted on Instagram. And I ran, it was nine o'clock at night, I randomly clicked on her profile and I saw that she lived in Massachusetts. So I slid into her DMs (laughs) and she was about to find with another um, couple. And I basically said like, oh my goodness, I'm in Massachusetts. And the, the rest is history. We ended up matching, but I did slide into Ashley's DM. (laughs) <laughs> we probably transferred that embryo three months later and about a year it's a year I think it was a year Monday that we transferred and now I have almost a four-month-old son wow mm-hmm. now were you two in contact during the pregnancy oh yeah yes yes like meeting in person I, that type of thing yes yeah, yeah, so I am we, north go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we um, we met in person for the first time at the embryo transfer, and, and mm-hmm. Emma was able to be in the room, which was really awesome. Um, and then we texted pretty much daily yeah. throughout the pregnancy, along with um, Emma being able to come to all of the prenatal appointments. That's, and there was oh, a lot. that's really cool. Towards the end, yeah, we were like two, three times a week from 31 weeks mm-hmm. on. Wow. So we spent yeah. a lot of time together. Yeah. 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 Emma, thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm so glad that you're here with us to share it. And I love that you are taking the opportunity to, um, you know, speak out and talk about surrogacy. And um, I just, I love that, like this friendship, this is beautiful. I'm I'm truly grateful to both of you for sharing your stories with us. And I'm wondering, yeah, is it common for intended parents to stay connected with their surrogate after birth, or is your friendship kind of unique in that regard? I would say um, our, our friendship is definitely unique. I think for every surrogacy journey, there's, you know, a different relationship. Um, you know, some surrogacies end in, you know, the day that the surrogate gives birth and the family goes their separate ways and, and it's kind of more of a business arrangement. Um, but I do, in, in talking to other surrogates, a lot of people want to stay at least somewhat connected. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know of too many that are, are quite at our level. Um, we've been able to visit a few times, fortunately with it being winter, everyone is sick and I have two small kids, so they are always sick. Um, yep. and I, the last <laughs> thing I want to do is spread that to their household. So I haven't been able to see Emma, um, and Cooper as much as I'd like to, um, but with spring being around the corner we'll have lots of visits soon oh that's awesome I told her she's she's stuck with me yeah oh, yeah, so. 
vice versa. She can't get rid of me if she tries. So (laughs) I love it. So what is the process like for becoming a surrogate or becoming a parent through a surrogate? Could you both kind of share what that process looked like for you? I guess, Ashley, we could start with you. Yeah. 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 Um, So for me, I, I think on both sides, it's a pretty extensive screening process. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I needed to submit all of my medical records from all my pregnancies and deliveries um, for the agency's medical team to review. Um, So once they had determined that I had had um, complication-free pregnancies and births, um, we moved on to psychological screening. So both my husband and I separately had to complete psychological screenings. Well, that's um, interesting. Your husband too. Okay. Yes. So that's another important piece is that um, every surrogate needs to have some sort of support person. Okay. Um, the process is a lot. Yeah. Um, it's mostly beautiful and wonderful, but it is a lot. Yeah. And so um, every surrogacy agency wants to know that you have people in your life that are supportive of you, that you can go to if you need help. Um, and for most people, that tends to be their spouse if they're married. Um, it could also be family members, friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he and I are married, he also went through the psychological screening, mm-hmm. had to do his own interview process, um, which I, you know, I think is so important because you never know who's signing up to be a surrogate or, or a surrogate support person. And, and that's, I think, uh, for intended parents, uh, added peace of mind. Um, and then we go over kind of preferences for intended parents. So for me, I wanted somebody that was really close by um, my first journey. Like I said, the parents were in New Jersey, so they weren't too far away. Right. But I wanted somebody as close as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case of, you know, if I were going to labor, I wanted to make sure that they were able to get there before everything happened. Um, and I also really wanted them to be as involved as they could. As a mom, I know how much control goes into pregnancy mm-hmm. and I know how much Emma had to give up in not being able to carry. So I wanted to give her that peace of mind that she was able to be there for every ultrasound, every appointment, ask every question that she had and bond with her baby while he was still mm-hmm. being carried by me. Yeah. Um, so that was part of my preferences. Um, and then kind of the the matching process is a lot like dating. We did a, a Zoom call after we exchanged profiles, um, kind of talked and got to know each other a little bit. And then we move on to medical clearance at the IVF clinic where it's like a day-long appointment with lots of different medical tests. Um, legal clearance where we kind of outline the legal expectations for each other. And then we finally start medication. Um, so I went through... Um, an IVF cycle without an egg retrieval. So I was mm-hmm. doing all the medications that you would do to prepare for an embryo transfer. And then we transferred the embryo. And that was kind of my beginning process. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. Um. <laughs> it's a lot. A and time. we definitely did it at a, in a very short time frame. So I know Emma had said from the time that we met till the time we transferred was about three months. We kind of went at a marathon pace because I think Emma and I are both pretty type A people that we get stuff done when we're ready to. Um, A lot of times that is not how quickly it it runs. So I don't want people to think that like you meet an intended couple and you're instantly pregnant. For a lot of people, it takes anywhere from three months to even a year to a year and a half, depending on uh, anything that kind of pops up along the way. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. 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 So Emma, you did kind of speak to, um, 
you know, it was necessary for you to have a surrogate in order to have a biological child. But um, what was the process like after you made that decision? Absolutely. So you can go two routes as an intended parent. You can go independent, which means that you were not going through an agency, okay. or you can go through an agency. Um, we went the agency route. So essentially, you research both. Um, and that's through Facebook groups, that's through talking to people, podcasts, you know, whatever it may be. So we decided we wanted to go agency route. Um, and also, I should mention, sliding into some of the CMs on agency, not independent, isn't normal. It's totally <laughs> weird. Um, and it was just fate that, like, she wasn't going to sign with somebody else. I shouldn't say sign, but like paperwork was about to happen mm -hmm. if I hadn't have clicked on her profile that night, which is yeah. just wild to think about. Um, so once you decide to go that route, um, for me, I had to go through IVF on the egg retrieval side. Mm -hmm. So we went into it. Uh, I I done two rounds and we only had one embryo. So we really putting all, literally all of our eggs in one basket right. which was ashley's body um and it's a miracle that it worked but prior to that my husband and i we had to go through um it's not an extensive psych eval but you do have to talk to social workers you have to um just pass background checks and the financial aspect is a lot you have mm -hmm. to be financially ready to and it's you know it, it is not cheap so okay. I think that's probably the biggest aspect and I think something that should be talked about more because I wish there was more support it for me it is so heartbreaking to think about somebody or anybody whether they're in a scenario like mine or you know same sex where they want to go the route of surrogacy and they have to pay such an enormous mm -hmm. amount of money. Um, it's really heartbreaking to go down that. So the financial aspect is another part of it. And then I would say the last part is just, you know, matching mm -hmm. and dating, like deciding, do you want to work with this? Do you trust this, uh, for me, this stranger? who's now family, but the stranger to carry your child. Right. Um, and that, I would say the financial and just the trusting process are the two biggest pieces that I, I would highlight in a nutshell around the intended parent side. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. I know you don't take those decisions lightly. That's probably a lot of lost sleep and a lot of um, contemplating going into those decisions. That I like had a gut. It was I made a very quick decision. It was like well, right away. I just it was like when I looked at Ashley's Instagram, which sounds so bizarre. If you know me, that's not <laughs> like me. But I was like, this woman's gonna carry our child. Like she's gonna have our baby, and she yeah. did, Ugh. which is amazing. It is and amazing. That's exactly you know how it was for me too. Is you know was after hearing Emma's story, I. You know, I said to my husband, I'm going to sleep on it and mm -hmm. we'll talk more tomorrow. And I got up, I went to SoulCycle the next day and I 
couldn't tell you what music we listened to or anything because all I was thinking about Emma was Emma and her story. And mm-hmm. I knew like the second I walked out of there, I was like, yep, yeah. that's that's the couple I'm caring for. Um, it was just that that immediate gut feeling. And it was the same with the first couple I cared for too. It's just, you know, instantly that connection was there. And, and I just knew that that was going to be a good match. I've been very lucky. <laughs> I mean, obviously you two have a very special connection and bond um, that seems like it's been there since the beginning, which is amazing. On the flip side, yeah. I have to ask, have either of you experienced any negative feedback or comments from people in your circles or even, I guess, social media over your choice to either be a surrogate or utilize a surrogate? Oh, you answer first. Yeah, I I haven't really had any negative, I wouldn't call them negative comments. I, I do get the, uh, you know, I don't understand how you could give up a baby after carrying it. And my answer to that is I'm not giving a baby up, I'm giving it back. This is not my child. This is not my, you know, I wasn't bonding with this baby in that, in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm giving him back to his parents. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've also gotten comments like, oh, well, you're just doing it for the money. They're exploiting you. To which I say, like, if anybody has ever met Emma, she has taken such good care of me and has been like the biggest cheerleader I've had ever. Um, you know, and, and in terms of the compensation aspect, you know, I say to that, like, it is a sacrifice. You know, I, I gave up almost the year of my life and my family sacrificed a lot of things mm-hmm. for me to be able to do this. And so that, that aspect of things is, you know, there is compensation that, that goes in with it, um, right. but it's not, we're not rich because of this. <laughs> right. And you don't get paid nearly like it. it <laughs> That's the whole, a lot of the fees you pay. And I'm very grateful for, you know, all the bigger parties involved. But most of that money does not go to Ashley, does not go to surrogates. And I think that's a really common misconception um, and important to like call out. And from from the intended parent side, like, I wish it all went to Ashley. Um, So no, she did not do it for the money. I can say that. (laughs) Emma, and that, I was going to ask you, what advice do you have for those considering utilizing surrogacy for their family building? Surrogacy, sorry. <laughs> There's so many. I would say nobody imagines their life and imagines having children. And so I was like, oh, you know, when I'm 10, I'm going to have kids through it. You know, somebody else is going to carry my child. Mm-hmm. So it is really, even though you feel like so hopeful and excited when you get there, it is totally normal, you know, all throughout the process to like have some days where you feel so happy and excited and hopeful and other days where you're grieving just the fact that, you know, it's not the way you imagined right. your family going, even if you hadn't had a loss before. So it's okay to like kind of feel grief and joy, like in the same experience and you're not a bad person for feeling like what, you know, what the heck, like, well, mm-hmm. how did we get here? Um, so just kind of embrace it and be nice to yourself. And secondly, just make sure you 
truly trust your surrogate, whoever mm-hmm. that person is when you match with them. I know for me, like I just, we waited about like eight months on a waiting list and I so badly wanted to. And I, I don't know if I would have just gone with the wrong person if they were presented to me because I wanted to move forward so badly. But I would say, do not do that. It's worth waiting another, you know, week, month, you know, a year to feel 100% confident because once that person's carrying your baby, there is no going back. And it's, that's the biggest part. So just make sure you feel confident in the person yeah, that you're absolutely. on the journey with. Yeah. Well, Ashley, <clears throat> as we wrap up, I want to ask you a question. And this is going back to something that you said at the beginning of this episode. You said that you sent us that email asking to come on the podcast 24 hours after you had given birth. Yeah. What did you want to say? Did we cover it? Or is there something else that you, in that moment, what was it that you wanted to come on the show and say? So I really just want to get more information about surrogacy out there. I think mm-hmm. for for both sides of it, because for every... Um, one surrogate, there are 10 intended parents that are waiting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, partially to to get the information out so that other women know that this is an option for them if they want to help another family, that it's not a scary process. It's mm-hmm. not it's not something that they need to be intimidated by or anything like that because there's so many people out there that are so passionate about it and we want to talk about it. Um, but also to let people know that from an intended parent side that you know, if you are having a hard time building your family, that this is there as an option. And that, you know, surrogates are are nice people. We're friendly. We're <laughs> kind. And we don't want to keep your baby, which is the number one <laughs> misconception about surrogacy. We do not want your baby. That's the whole point. We cannot wait to give it back. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my goal is just to to get this information out there so that more people are talking about surrogacy. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that, again, you brought it on our radar so that we could have this conversation. And I will definitely link uh, Circle Surrogacy's website in the show notes for our listeners, as well as your social media, if anyone wants to follow your journeys. Yeah. So at the end of the show, we ask all of our guests the same question. I'm going to ask you both, if you could tell me in maybe one or two sentences, what are you both loving about raising a family in greater Boston right now? I I would say two things for me. One, um, the schools. We have oh, amazing right? schools yeah. in greater Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I've never worried about my children's education, um, you know, and and I think that that's been the easiest decision. I'm a transplant. So moving to this area, I never worried about raising a family here. And the other is just there's so much to do. There's mm-hmm. so much history and, and there's so much entertainment. And I love that my kids are going to grow up with that all right here at their fingertips. Absolutely. Emma, how about you? I would say the community is the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I am, I was born and raised in the town I live in. So I, I live in Marblehead. I went to college in upstate New York. But then right after college, I moved back to Boston, lived in the city for a few years. Um, and it was kind of an easy decision once, you know, I was pregnant that, I knew I wanted to move back to Marblehead. And now more than ever, 
you know, with everything that we went through, just having the support of family and friends around me, having access to some of the best healthcare in the world. I think Shinako um, noted, like, I would not be here if it wasn't for Brigham and, you know, Cape Car Hospital. I, you know, we have the best hospitals, I think, in the world, mm-hmm. arguably. And I love the ocean. So we live right by the ocean. And I think there's just something to be said about, you know, knowing that your kids are going to grow up, like, walking to the end of the street and having their summers there and on the boat. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing area. You can't go wrong. <laughs> no. Thank you That's both not. so much for chatting with me today. And I also want to call out, we all have littles. We started this episode kind of saying like, oh, we're so tired. <laughs> um, and Emma has a four month old. So thank you both for making the time um, to talk to me tonight. And I, I also just want to recognize and appreciate both of your vulnerability and openness today. Your stories are sacred and they are personal. And I truly am grateful for both of you sharing them with us. So thank you. And we will hold them closely and keep them safe with us. I know our listeners. Yeah. I know our listeners are going to be better off for hearing, hearing these stories. Uh, Listeners, if you are enjoying the podcast, do us a favor and quickly leave us a positive review. This little ask helps us reach more moms in big ways. Thank you for listening. And as always, you are a wicked good mom.